0: Let's go. My mama told me, yeah, Yeah.
1: black pastry. My mama told me, "Ah, yeah, 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 come on. My mama told me. I'ma grow up big and I'ma be your king And my papa told me It's okay to sit with shit So forget your dreams cause they'll get you through this So-called life the call living But I call it strange and I bet I'll do it Cause I'm on my way And strong enough that i shake the band Hey, Mr.
0: Sunshine, Mr. Rainstorm Meet me in the conference room We need to brainstorm Meet some middle
1: ground We made it
0: to the third episode, David
1: And oh, no, I feel like this is like When we start to hit a wall.
0: is the honeymoon over at at number three.
1: Yeah, because we released the first two episodes at the same time and I feel like if you're listening at this point, you either found us on accident or you love one of us in some way, shape, or form.
0: That's usually how it goes. Usually it's the people that or not the people that uh, are close to you that support you. I feel like some people I mean, I've been doing podcasts for ten years, in and out, and I feel like some of the people, some of my closest friends, have never even listened.
1: I know, or so. they might listen for one episode, but it's hard. I mean, it's tough to. I mean, even stuff that you love, you, you know and love. It, I mean, I have like two or three podcasts that I listen to like fairly religiously, and even those, I'm like. I'll skip it this
0: week. I remember launching, and I'm gonna call my first iteration a show, like a talk show, because it was live. The, you know, it was basically like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Me and Matt Jones did that together, but no, but you know, we did internet radio. I wouldn't say it was a podcast just because we. Did a lot of interviews. It was live. There's like an interactive chat. It was it just had a different feel than what like what we do now.
1: Right. A lot of Lorenz Larkin interviews.
0: Yeah. And Scott Holtzman interviewed him a lot.
1: Demetrius Johnson. Like,
0: uh never No, used- I never interviewed him. No. Have you ever had a guest lined up that that snubbed you that you just can't like I don't I don't let go of grudges.
1: Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. that actually I only have one. I was, like, super excited for it.
0: Yeah, I only have one. Who's Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's kind of like the Rich Franklin of this generation where he was like, I hate to say this, but like, flash in the pan, like, he... I, I
0: was thinking that exact same term. So No shit.
1: Big, so big for such a short period of time, but for the short period of time, he was the, I mean, obviously, he was the champion. Um, I hate to say that because being a freaking UFC champion is not flash in the pan, but... Right. I remember, I used to, you know, back in my early days covering MMA, um, he fought on a card where I was watching a live internet stream of Ring of Combat. Jessica I fought, and he fought Uriah Hall on the prelims.
0: Pros or amateur?
1: Uh, wow. Think, yeah.
0: And you covered UFC in Louisville, which was his UFC debut.
1: I did not realize that, but I did. Cover. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he took that fight on like a week's notice.
1: That's pretty much how everyone gets into the uh, into the UFC. But that fight was crazy because it was the Uriah Hall-Chris Weidman. Um, and then um, Uriah Hall fought Costas Philippou right after that and lost to both of them. And that was like, oh, this dude sucks. But the, <laughs> but then he fought Ong La, La Insang, who I don't know how you say his name, but the dude that's the... Been wrecking one FC.
0: Oh yeah, I don't know how you say his name.
1: We promised that we wouldn't talk a lot about um, MMA. So I think that's no. talk
0: for. That's, that's a, the moratorium on the uh, on that. Although part of uh, part of what we have planned ties into MMA somewhat is a couple podcast things going on in the world right now. Ten years ago, when I started mine, the the only one that I listened to was Joe Rogan.
1: Yeah,
0: which was really the only podcast I listened to. Um, and then Ben Folks started the Co Main Event podcast, which uh, had Dundas, and I listened to that for a long time. Um, but this week Joe Rogan signs. Nobody's confirmed this. All reporting says upwards of a $100 million deal to be exclusive on Spotify. Yeah. Who he has snubbed for years.
1: Which is interesting because two things. I think first, um, the most people that listen to Joe Rogan, they they listen to him on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, I would probably venture to guess that half or more of his audience is from YouTube Um, and Spotify. I feel like this is either their, you know, go big or go home moment or, you know, I feel like they either are going to be boom or bust with this. They're either going to hit a home run and it's going to be the new future or this is what's going to (laughs) bankrupt. Going to bankrupt them.
0: Yeah. And to put it perspective, like, as of all, in our infancy, we're on Spotify and iTunes and Alexa. Oh yeah, tell your Alexa to play beards and beards and beards podcast, and it will. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, what's well, amazing? I haven't tried it yet. People, Yeah, people that I talk to, the one, the big one is iTunes. Right, not everyone mm-hmm. is on iTunes. So if you're on iTunes, I think that's like the big. Like, hey, you guys, you're legit, right? You're not just a, That's the
0: charts that everybody pays attention to.
1: Right. Whereas I don't... So... Phone, so so how, how do
0: you listen to, to podcasts?
1: I, honestly, the the easiest way that I've found, um, and I'm, I'm a Spotify listener because I like streaming. Um, so I've started just on Spotify. Um I don't listen to Joe Rogan, but the few podcasts that I listen to are on Spotify. It's not the greatest, um, but I also don't think that i iTunes i you know i whatever they call their podcasts um, Apple Podcasts now. Yeah, I don't think that's the greatest. I've listened a little on Stitcher mm-hmm. in the past. I like Stitcher, um, but I'm not like a bit. I mean, I'm not like a podcast junkie enough to where it really matters. I'm more of like a. I find the podcast that I want, and if it's on this app that I already have, I'll listen to it.
0: Right. It's that lucrative of a deal has. It's either deflated a ton of podcasters, or it's inspired them, because uh, I'm in a couple of like podcast Facebook groups, like yeah. promote your podcast type deal, and they're like. Well, this just ruined it for me, you know. I'm like, how? Granted, if you're on Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan, you you probably are not going to stumble across beers and beards or close enough, or you know, the Bluegrass MMA podcast. You're you're probably just not. There's no discoverability for that, right? Um, But it's not going to hurt you either.
1: I just always think, too, from a weird sort of standpoint like I think Joe Rogan is such a com- compartmentalized person as a human he has such a like I don't want to say it. he has a so many different aspects of his life and everyone knows who Joe Rogan is but people all know him from different things right so you know him from right that way back in the day being news radio guy um, mm-hmm. or fear factor fear factor or you and I probably know him from, you know, UFC guy um, mm-hmm. way back in the day. And now people, there's people that don't care about any of those things that just listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, the Joe Rogan experience or experiment or whatever. I don't even know what it, the official name is. But um, listen, so I used to train uh, jujitsu um, at a gym here in Cincinnati. And the people that would come in kind of just off the streets that had, You know, never really trained. That were kind of "quote unquote" normal people. Um, The owner would say, "Hey, you know what? What made you want to try jujitsu?" And probably half of them, if not more, would say, "Joe Rogan got me into jujitsu." I looked up jujitsu in Cincinnati, and you're what came up. That's like, isn't that crazy? It's amazing that the people that have no insight into. This is who, but that—that's fascinating to me to have so many different, like people know Joe Rogan for vastly different things.
0: Yeah. Now, are you a are you a fan of the podcast? Or are, so when you talk to people, there are guys that I only listen to Joe Rogan when X. You know, there's because he talks to such a wide array of guests, like. I only like listening to Joe Rogan when there's comics on or when there's fighters on or when there's, uh, you know, Alex Jones is on, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. So I like listening to Joe Rogan when there's someone that is a little off the wall. um, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. (laughs) Um, um, But the person that, the one that I definitely have like a vivid memory of listening to the interview is louis simmons from west side barbell uh-huh. He's maybe the most interesting person um that i've ever and the, i mean obviously being from columbus and being you know the, the power lifter uh basically a guy that you know from columbus and maybe maybe three percent of people from columbus have ever heard of him but this guy's World-renowned for being, you know, the the best strength coach in the world. I mean, his people have—I don't even know how many world records, but. Um,
0: did you watch the documentary?
1: I did watch. Yeah, so I've seen that. Um, I've, and I think we've talked about this before. I've always been fascinated by that, like powerlifting, strongman, like that. Like I don't know how I got involved in MMA versus <laughs> versus you know World's Strongest Man competitions, you know from a from a coverage standpoint because I could have just as easily got involved in that sort of niche. Mm-hmm. Um, thing yeah, I, I
0: agree.
1: I literally, you know, I used to go to the Arnold Sports Festival every year, and the thing that would literally. I could not turn my eyes away from was when they did the strongman competitions. Like I, the, the, you know, the bodybuilding stuff didn't really interest interest me at all. But when they did the strongman, when you have these dudes picking up these giant Atlas stones, um, that's what, that's what fascinates me. Um, it's like one of those things that for me, you can't turn away, right? You just get hooked. And he's been, I mean, he's a pioneer Dude's 72 years old and still freaking, you know, probably one of the strongest 72 year olds, probably least the strongest 72 year old, but also Louis has been interesting in that he's been able to transition, you know, not only just from the, the power lifting, but also there's guys that train there that are MMA fighters mm-hmm. Matt Brown, um, TJ Rigel train there. AJ, um, Dobson, um, AJ Dobson, you know guys that have an MMA background, and they put the like he's been able to tailor strength training for them. So that to me is fascinating. So when there is someone like that that I am already infinitely interested in, I think that that's those are the type of guys that that I feel on on Joe Rogan.
0: Yeah. So probably my favorite episode ever is Wheeler Walker Junior. Um, and then, more seriously, I think second is probably the first couple Jordan Peterson. So that's how eccentric my taste goes.
1: <laughs> so I the the people the person probably I don't want to say much closely associated with. Um, Joe Rogan, but I feel like Rogan is sort of the almost Howard Stern of a new generation, right?
0: Absolutely. Almost yeah. identical. Didn't Howard get $100 million to go to Sirius back in the day?
1: Yeah, but I think he got $100 million a year. <laughs> 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 so he's like, that's that's small potatoes for Joe. But uh, yeah. yeah, Howard Stern is like on a different level. Um,
0: and he's doing more of a podcasty type thing in his interviews, right? It's more long form.
1: Yeah. So that's what, like, I bought a new car, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, like, I listened to Howard Stern when I was in high school and loved it. And, you know, it was kind of the late 90s, early 2000s, Howard Stern, where he was you porn know, stars, star. titties, and ass. Well, and that was even more like. That was even more like 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. Where did
0: you watch it on E? That's what I want to know. Did
1: watch, yeah, on E. Yeah. That's kind of what first got me into it. But then mm-hmm. when he got married, he kind of got um, – he became a different person and became this master interviewer. And there are people that he interviews that – I start to listen to it, and I'm like, I have no, zero interest in this person whatsoever. And within 10 minutes, he has me hooked. And I've literally sat in my car listening to his interviews. And the other thing, too, is going back to the days where I was driving, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 miles a year and listening to Howard Stern, his interviews would come on, and I'd be listening to it, you know, driving home from an, from an MMA event at you know, one, two o'clock in the morning. And I'd be fascinated listening to, you know, freaking J.K. Simmons talking about how he's the yellow M&M. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but listen to people. And and uh, the one that always sticks out to me is um, Queen Latifah. Like I had no no uh, interest in, like she wasn't someone that was even on my radar of people that I'd be interested in, but right. he made me, you know, endlessly interested in what she had to say from, you know, her days of hanging out with Will Smith to her own talk show to, you know, being one of the, the most successful people. in you know, whether, I don't know what, if it's officially Hollywood or what, but, um, just the, just the people that you don't think that you have a fascination about, but he, makes you interested in them. I think Joe has that a little bit, but I haven't listened to him personally enough to to say that I would listen to inter- any interview. Yeah.
0: Yeah, some of like the more academic stuff that he talks about. Yeah. That he self-admits that he's not even qualified to discuss, but you know, knows just enough to ask good questions. Some of that goes over my head, but you know, on the other side of the podcasting world, do you know what the number one podcast in the world is or do has you know been for you know. the last? No. It's Call Her Daddy from Barstool Sports, oh. <laughs> which is, I listen to maybe 15 minutes of it.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's two girls and this, and I always love backstory. So it's these two girls who basically started a podcast talking shit about like, whole things. <laughs> and I don't I don't want that to be the derogatory or taken the wrong way. Yeah. But like literally just filth. Um and so they blow up almost immediately. They go from like twelve thousand downloads to two point five million an episode like in six months. Wow. They get snatched up by Dave Portnoy and Barstool. And literally top of the iTunes charts right now, number one, Caller Daddy, number two, Joe Rogan.
1: That's crazy.
0: So they, it's these these two girls, and and just from I only follow Dave Portnoy. Like I don't really know anything about Barstool Sports. Right. I'm a one bite. Everybody knows the rules. That's the only thing I pay attention to. <laughs> but it has sucked me into some of their culture. They've got a whole litany of podcasts that they make a bazillion dollars off of. Oh yeah. Along with their website, the Rough and Rowdy Brawl. All, I mean, they hats off to Portnoy. Like he, I watched the documentary on Barstool and did you don't know start off as an actual newspaper. Now. Yeah. Uh, it was an actual newspaper and he, you know, uh, he would write all the stories and then he would put ads from like betting sites, uh, or casinos oh, yeah. and stuff. He, th- he thought he would get rich. Right. So, anyway, that has nothing to do with these two girls were going to, like, they're at the top of the mountain. I don't know what they were getting paid, but it wasn't enough. They were going to, they were shopping a new deal to get out of Barstool. Now, Portnoy owns 100% of the intellectual property of Collar Daddy. So, whatever, they're going to go do it somewhere else, as something else. Well, that deal falls through, and the girls get into it. (laughs) <laughs> so one girl is like, Hey, I'll come back, you know? And, and the offer I saw was for $500,000 a year to stay and do a call her daddy under barstool. And, and I forget the, their names, Alex and something, Sophia. Uh, Sophia is allegedly dating or maybe so. I don't know. But one of them's dating like an executive at HBO who's supposed to be calling the shots and Portnoy calls him suit, man. And it's, I've, I have no business even given the time to this, but it sucked me in. I was like, "Wow, think about that!" Somebody comes to us, hey, five hundred thousand dollars a year, one episode a week. (sighs) I mean,
1: let's talk about whatever.
0: Yeah, give me five dollars. Give me five dollars an episode. You can advertise right here. I I should probably shouldn't have smacked the table, but five dollars. It's going to go to help uh, David's dogs. But it's just that the world of podcasting from us who are, you know, within the first, what was it, 30 or 45 minutes, we get an email, congratulations on your first 10 downloads. I'm like, what? wow. <laughs> you know, but I, I it was, was pretty
1: cool. What, half of those were from Angie g
0: Yeah. Uh, but it was cool that, you know, like, hey, there's people listening, and like, even um, shout out to Jordan Zawari who listened enough to know that you were worried about getting your nails done, and not your haircut.
1: <laughs> well, the other the thing I thought about with that too was like, how big of a of a uh, milestone is ten downloads that they actually have to send people <laughs> an email saying, "Congrats, you got ten downloads!" Like, I mean, we <laughs> back in the day when we were basically talking to nobody, we got. I mean, 10 downloads was, that was a, I don't know. We had that many people listening live, I think, when we did the live shows. And Mm -hmm. the downloads would be, of course, more than that. Yeah. It makes you think how many people are doing podcasts that have less than 10 downloads.
0: Yeah, so, like, tracking, I love, and you're an analyst, I'm an analyst by trade, different different worlds of, of analytics, but... Um, I love seeing where it comes from. You know, like where it's at. You know, so I, now I've I've got to dig in for a week's worth of analytics here, and when was close enough, and I'm like, wow, like w- other countries, like where does wh- how does it get to these people?
1: <laughs> Who are these you people know? that are
0: listening? Yeah, let us know. Like, hey, Find the a guy in, in Egypt, history. yeah, that listened to us, hit us up on Instagram or Facebook tells who you are i want to know who you are in egypt
1: yeah he really um, liked, uh craft beer or beards
0: yeah he a so beard it's just
1: beard fetish
0: it's a very busy market to be in and i think for you and me doing this like this is fun i yeah. you know i don't think we're gonna be making five hundred thousand dollars a year but <laughs>
1: I think we're to the point, both of us in our lives, where we are doing it for fun. And I think we're showing maybe a slightly different side of ourselves to people that we interact with on a regular basis. That's probably the most of it, right? So people that maybe know us from, you know, from the MMA world might come and say, oh, these are, you know, two guys and they actually care about things other than MMA. These are the other interests that they have. So. Um, that's really where, where that's the fun part for me and learning more about people that I know that like, Hey, you're interested in craft beer too. Right. So, um, or you might be interested in bourbon. You might be interested in just awesome beards like Gary has. Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the Ben Roethlisberger things. I don't know if you saw that or not, but he, um, said that at the start of quarantine, he said, Um, I'm not going to shave my beard until I can throw it to one of my teammates, right? (laughs) Shout out to, uh, Hunter Homestack who, uh, is my buddy in, in Pittsburgh, DK Pittsburgh sports, uh, another MMA guy, but he's in, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh for almost two years. So I have a little bit of a, even for an Ohio guy of soft spot for Pittsburgh people, um, in my heart, but it's always funny. Like I hate Pittsburgh, like pro sports. So, you know, the, the um, Steelers, of course, being a Browns fan and, and the, the um, Penguins and the pirates, of course, but yeah. So then uh, big Ben goes and throws to teammates. I don't, I don't even know if it was in Pittsburgh or where it was, but he, the Steelers posted a video of him getting his beard, beard trimmed after, and then the freaking governor of the state says, I don't care who you are. We're in lockdown. You're not supposed to be getting your hair cut or your, your beard trimmed.
0: <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> don't you love government?
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: It's so I have not been clean shaven. <clears throat> um, like completely shaven since 2010.
1: Yeah,
0: and like I've had daughter the duck. Daughter. Yes, um, I have had the duck dynasty like full mangly. I mean, you've seen it. you can go on my Instagram. I mean, pretty long. Yeah, and then I've had the
1: beard uh, competitions. That's that's the I concept. did. Yeah,
0: I got Brian Furby got me into that world, and he's still in it. Uh, but it like, I, I judged one, I emceed one, uh, you know, I, I went to several and that's, it's just like anything else. Like the stuff, like the circles that we run in, they, it's just one common thing that brings them all together and it just happens yeah. to be beards. And so when we were doing the, uh, the bluegrass MMA show, I got a sponsorship through dollar beard club. And this was weird to me because, uh, not weird that I got it. You know, I applied for it, got it. Bro, I think they went out of business, and I, kept, I randomly still get boxes from them.
1: I remember you showing me when I was at your house how many yeah. beard, beard Club things you had.
0: Like, I've given away so many. I bet I've got in my bathroom, which I finally just took them all out of the box. And so they're all, uh, but I've probably got twenty five. No, they're just little bottles of, of beard oil, um, which they sent me, they would send me the beard bomb every once in a while. And I liked it better, but, but I've got tons of beard oil for anybody that needs it. Um, but the point of that is the beard community didn't like dollar beard club because they were for profit and everything like the, the, in the, the beard clubs, um, which there's one in my town, um, they were all about charity. So they would get together and do things like the beard show that I judged and and the Battle of the Beards that Furby did in Lexington for a few years. All that money went to charity. Like they would pick a charity, raise money, and give it away. So they were pretty anti-capitalism in the beard community, which w- was fascinating to me. I'm like, oh, it's no different than like shampoo or soap or you know, but I don't know what do you think about that
1: well I'd like to point out that you live in a town of less than definitely less than 10,000 but you guys have your own beard club
0: uh-huh yeah
1: it's so <laughs> but no they uh I, when you I think you talked to me about this when he first when it first happened and you were like everything is for you know, charity and not that that's, it's just surprising that people don't try to monetize something that they're interested in.
0: And, and and there's obviously product, there's businesses inside the industry that are for profit, but they do give a lot to charity. Um, But when it comes to like getting together to do, and maybe it was just a mainstream thing and they like the grassroots or, I don't know, maybe one day we can talk to Furby about that. But it's, uh, it was definitely like, I was happy that I was getting some product. And I think, you know, uh, on a couple occasions they kicked in some money because I'd referred some people, but I don't know. That was a weird thing. But from 2010 until currently now, my beard's a little thicker than it's been probably in the last five years. And I've got, my hair's the longest it's been ever. A follow-up from last week, I was so excited to tell you that I was going to get my hair cut. Turns out, uh, I read everything wrong. My barber was taking appointments starting on the 18th. All weekend, I was so pumped to go get my hair cut on the 18th that I really paid no attention to exactly what I was doing. And uh, huge disappointment.
1: Say your name, so you didn't get your haircut yet.
0: No. Tuesday.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna let mine I'm gonna let it roll. Let it ride.
0: Let, you've got thick hair too, right? Yours not yeah. yours is pretty thick.
1: I do. Yeah, it's like and it's almost to the point now where it's starting to curl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. Oh I don't know, man. This whole lockdown. And it's, you know, we've talked about it each episode here. My wife and I have talked about it today. I took a dive into these businesses that are opening up the different reactions from government. You know, you talked about the governor chastising Ben Roethlisberger. So you look at the gym that opened in New Jersey uh, that had the huge crowd. It was on all the major news outlets. The cops show up. They're like, you're all in violation of the executive order. Have a nice day, and they just turn around and leave.
1: on the opposite end, it's this- really like nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to
1: jail, which is crazy.
0: Tell me what you're going to cite me for. I work in law enforcement. I've for the last 20 years, I have lived law enforcement daily. What are you going to cite me for? What 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 violation in your in your law book are you going to cite me for? None. There's none. There's none that you can that you can do. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. But so you look at uh, in North Carolina, this Marine owns a gym, uh, opens it up. The police raid it. They like they come in, guns drawn. Everybody get out of here. Uh, the, he ends up getting into it with the police chief or the captain. The police chief gets canned over it. Like it's a big. Um, and in Kentucky, June first is when we open gyms. For now, so I don't know what that's going to look like. What is it? What's it like in Ohio? Are they open this week.
1: Um, I think gyms are opening next week, which it would be the twenty, like six, so the day after Memorial Day. Um, but actually, as we speak, so we're on the twenty first. Today is the first day that like restaurants can reopen. Um indoor dining Um,
0: at a limited capacity or
1: yeah, limited. Um, I think they just said uh, tables have to be six feet apart. So they didn't say any like percentage, but they just said uh, tables have to be six feet apart.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like our governor, your governor does his press conference earlier in the day, right?
1: Yeah, it's like, I think it's at 2, and then Kentucky's at 4. So you just... Yeah, so it's...
0: Uh, Ohio says. It is. He's very much that way. So, I don't know. It's, um, it makes you want to drink. Which brings us to why, hopefully, you came here, is for us to talk about drinks. Right. Now, last week, I talked about Weller's, which, if you look at the ball, it's just Weller. So I'm saying it as a, I guess... Plural or possessive. I I don't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, And you had the uh, New England IPA. That's what she said. Correct. Yeah,
1: from Treehouse. It was a stout.
0: A stout. So this week, I'll go first since you went first last week. What inspired me this week was... I got. I, I want to know more. Like I feel like I have a, I'm well versed in bourbon, but I'd like to listen to other people talk about it. So I, I got on this video series. It's these two guys, uh, and the first video I watched was top ten budget bourbons, and really none of the none of the ten were budget. So I thought I'm gonna go with a budget bourbon that I would drink every day. Or when I drink, like it would be your go-to. Um, and also they were, they would smell it and they would drink it. And I've drank a lot of bourbon, lots of different bourbon, straight up shots, mixed, all that. They were talking about, Oh, this tastes like a cherry, uh, lollipop. I was, no, no, bourbon does not taste like that. I, I don't taste the char. I don't taste the oak, the sm- none of that i for a guy that's been you know i'm not a beer guy been drinking bourbon for a long time i have no clue what the hell they're talking about why is that david am i is my palate not as sophisticated as theirs or are they just really really over dramatizing this
1: i think sometimes you get that a little bit um the, Tell
0: me uh, a bourbon would taste like a cherry lollipop. Get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs> I've had beers where it's like this tastes like candy, and it definitely doesn't taste like candy. But well, that's all
0: beer for me. I think I've 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 chatted you before. Like, no, there's no chocolate. There's no whatever. But I can see where if you are if you have that. Uh, acquire taste for beer, you could start picking that stuff out. But with bourbon, yeah. bourbon is bourbon.
1: But with like beer specifically, a lot of times it's like you get the the bitterness of a chocolate or the bitterness of a coffee or you know the sweetness of whatever fruit is going into it.
0: Yeah, you're getting the characteristics of those things, but doesn't necessarily translate to that's what they should taste like. So Yeah,
1: and that yeah, I completely agree with you. So, it, it, I get like most of the time more of like an essence of that flavor, and it's not like this tastes like you know I'm I'm eating a candy bar. That's you know it's, yeah it's supposed to be chocolate. So,
0: Four Roses Bourbon is distilled and aged at the Four Roses Distillery in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, which is just outside of our capital of Frankfurt. Uh, I've been to four roses, not a bad place, uh, smaller than say Buffalo trace or maker's mark, but still they're known really for their small batch and like single barrel. So if you want, like, if you want the premium four roses, you're going to go for the small batch or the single barrel. And that adds 10 to $15 in price looking at it today. Um, I can tell you for one of my best friend's 30th birthday parties, we had a bottle of Four Roses single barrel. We took the lid off, made its round uh through the guests, like almost like passing a joint, came back empty. Um, I'm not saying it's that smooth or that easy to drink, but it's it's a good bourbon that that goes down. So um Paul Jones, he was the founder of Four Roses the story behind the name is that he, he fell in love with some chick from Kentucky, right? Uh, proposed to her. And she replied that if her answer were yes, she would wear a corsage of roses on her gown to the upcoming grand ball. When she showed up the night in the ball in her gown, she wore a corsage of four roses. So he later goes on to create his bourbon and he named it four roses after the chick um and on the bottle it says, uh, four roses was is a symbol of his devout passion for his lovely bell. It is one of those that you don't care about what you do with it. Does that make sense? Uh, you can drink it neat, you can mix it, yeah. really whatever you want to do with it. it's uh it's good enough for all that. at seventeen bucks. Um, I feel like that's, that's a a true bargain bourbon. It's not, I think people judge bourbon by their hangovers and all that. This is not going to mess you up so bad. Um, you're not, you're going to enjoy it. So when I mix it, I would go my four roses. I'd go probably with a dark drink, like Coke, Pepsi, you know, diet Coke, diet Pepsi, um, because it was like rye, I would go more with like a Sprite. And I don't know why that is. I'm not one of these bourbon nerds. My personal preference, you mix it up, tell me, or drink it neat. Uh, of course, neat is room temperature in a glass. Uh, if you want to splash it with water, they'd say that brings out some of the taste. I've done it with ice cubes, with water, all that. But Four Roses is... Something that if I was coming to David McKinney's house and I was to bring a drink, I would probably and it was just something casual, we're watching football on Sunday, I'd leave the wellers at home and I'd bring some four roses. Not quite Jim
1: Beam level bargain,
0: but for a guy that likes bourbon, four roses, you can't can't really beat it.
1: Yeah, so I think I mentioned last week so four roses is one of the more common bourbon barrels that you see with with beer that's barrel aged. Um, yeah my yeah so definitely so kind of keeping in that you know the barrel aged uh, theme tonight uh, my beer tonight is called trinity of oak which is a beer from branch and bone and i'm gonna be honest with you i'm struggling a little bit because this is a super sour (laughs) beer and Every once in a while, beer is sour enough to give me some acid reflux, and that's what I am (laughs) experiencing here a little bit tonight. But this beer, so it has delicious taste, so it's a barrel-aged Ohio wild ale. So Branch and Bone is one of the newer breweries. Um, They are from Dayton, actually, Um, and this is a collaboration with one of my favorite breweries out of Athens called Little Fish Brewing and you're saying
0: branch what is it now
1: branch and bone
0: (laughs) it is turning you up
1: yeah every once in a while there's like a a uh sour ale that's like super i don't know just the acid reflux but this is a beer um with ohio malts and hops uh gin, white wine, and red wine barrels from Ohio. That sounds
0: super smooth. (laughs)
1: Listen to you, (laughs) Tricky. Oh.
0: (laughs) I feel like David's muted. (laughs) Mike's. (laughs) He can
1: drink it. Oh. He didn't (laughs)
0: use my super smooth. Oh, Uh, I don't know what's got into him.
1: Definitely not a beer that (laughs) I would say is smooth. Um, It's like one of those more like you know I've got a I think five hundred milliliter bottle here, Uh, and I drank probably a little bit too much of it. Um, Super acidic um but yeah take, that. so <laughs> what does
0: uh, when you drink a beer like that and, I, and i'm gonna throw a wrench in in this what does it pair with because <clears throat> uh, i was looking at what bourbons pair with what not that seems like all bullshit to me but beer tastes so different like what what would a soury beer like food wise what would that go with
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, no, see, yeah, I just now saw your yeah. I just now saw your chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely something um something you know lighter like I probably like a fish um something that's going to have more of like uh, like a base to balance it out. Um definitely not food that's super acidic uh because um this beer like I said is very 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 acidic um it's probably one of the more acidic beers that i've had in a while um but a lot of people like um barrel aged beers because they have that like that funkiness of that um especially for sours you get that like spontaneous fermentation things like that so um like a fish something light pork um definitely not like dark like a like a i would pair like if you wanted like you know, dark meat like a red meat like a steak or something like that. Like a, I would do like a big like porter, um, amber ale, something like that. Like a darker beer. Um, this I would pair with something super light to kind of balance it out. Yeah,
0: because as a basic beer drinker, you know, like a Bud Light draft. Yeah, I, I always I always think of like salty foods it goes good with that but I don't know that a salty food would go with something that's a you know more on the sour end of the spectrum so I don't know coming from Dayton and I know you've if you go to mmamckinney.com David has reviewed so many breweries um, is the date what's the difference from the Dayton beer scene in the Cincinnati beer scene, because what it's an hour's difference, but I'm sure there's something fundamentally different about that scene. I think David wants to go
1: get some water to
0: wash down this beer. Sorry,
1: I'm muted myself <laughs> now. So Dayton, I think is is uh, um is more like they're kind of defined by breweries that are more unique and that I think each brewery has its very own specific like either style or something that they um that they do that's that's special and different from other places so for example they have uh fifth street brew pub which is one of the first co-op breweries in the u.s um they've got um warped wing which is in an old um factory downtown they've got um what's the place we went
0: to the day of your wedding
1: yeah eudora yeah yeah um well we went to eudora the day before um the day of my wedding um kind of after the ceremony went to dayton beer co which is um they have a a big like outdoor patio kind of the um downtown area of dayton um but, the, you know, Dayton also has Carillon, which is a brewery that is basically transplanted from the 1800s where um, they brew everything, you know, kind of in that old style, no modern equipment or anything like that. Um, Branch and Bone specifically is kind of the quintessential, quote unquote, modern brewery. So they're doing a couple different things, like unique things. So they're doing the New England IPAs that are hot. They're doing... Um, a lot of the Berliner Weiss style, which is like a, uh, they're doing like fruited Berliner Weiss. so fruited, like, uh, wh- you know, light wheat sour beer, um, and then they're doing a lot of the barrel aged sours like this, which apparently I can't handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Had you drank uh, this before? No. So this was a beer. So it's it, and again, it's super. Um, like this is a 500 milliliter bottle, which is. 16.9 ounces, basically a little over a pint. I would probably share this with three to four people on a typical uh, typical night. Um, I was going to say, your fifth bourbon know. is
0: 750 yeah. milliliters. Right. So, you know, I can imagine taking, like, just the neck off this, and that probably is about what you've got.
1: Yeah. So I've got a little like a over, overzealous. <laughs> But it's a delicious beer. I mean, the flavor is good. It's it's super funky. It's it's very oak forward. So it's a beer that is um, that sat in oak barrels for a year. And like I said, gin, white wine, and red wine. So you get a little bit of that. Not like the bourbon flavors, but you get more of the kind of the oaky, um, the oakiness of the, of the flavors. Um, but it's different, and it's also. Um, they used the wild, like house culture, so the house yeast from the two breweries that collaborated, Branch and Bone and Little Fish. Um, it's it's a unique beer. Um, it's one that I would drink again and probably pace myself a little bit more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. When you, I love trying new things, and unfortunately, like in the bourbon world, there's not really that much new that comes out. You know what I mean? Um, especially Kentucky bourbon, because our legacy is pretty cemented like four roses was, it made it through prohibition and how bourbon made it through prohibition is because they would prescribe it as medicine. Uh, and probably like cocaine and heroin and all that too, back in those kooky days. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so like the, the 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 distilleries in Kentucky, several of them never stopped even during Prohibition; just kept going. So um, you can, and if you take tours, I know at Buffalo Trace, and I th- I think at Four Roses, I'm not sure, but they actually have an old prescription of like you. I think you could get a bottle a month. I can't remember what it was, but, but they would prescribe yeah, you, you know, a certain man. amount per month. <laughs> I mean, when you take your kids and your wife and everybody, you know, <laughs> needs that uh, that sweet elixir. So it's, I don't know. The, the range of bourbon is not as wide as beer, obviously. Um, which is, I didn't know this. I mean, I knew it when the, I know it now, but like there's a federal law on bourbon on how it's made. And it is distinctly, it It ha- if you get bourbon from England, it's not bourbon. Bourbon has to right. be made in the United States. It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky. Um, we just make the best, but it has to be made in the United States.
1: There's beers like that too. So, um, I mean, bourbon is more of an American thing than, than beer is. And, there are definitely like german and european styles that for example like a kolsch in in germany if a you know if a uh, if it's not made in germany it can't be a kolsch beer but it can be a kolsch style like you can brew that style but you can't brew that beer same thing with lambic um, you can't brew a lambic a true lambic in the us because um, you know that it's it's almost like a, that trademark Style like it's so unique to the area that you can't brew it anywhere other than that one specific area.
0: Interesting, all right. So, four roses, and what's the name of yours again?
1: Uh, branch and bone, Trinity of Oak, which again, tread, tread lightly,
0: the Holy Trinity. Trick,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but we no, so like, do this, a, it, it, first a, of yeah. all. I,
0: yeah. <laughs> I wanted to tell you that when I published the episodes of the podcast, Abby had no idea. She knew, she knew, she thought you were interviewing me. She didn't know this was a joint collaboration. I was, what did you think? She's like, I don't, I don't know. I just thought David was interviewing you for his podcast. Do you
1: think I had a beard? I don't know. I, I somehow but, miraculously grew a beard.
0: Uh, so that was, (laughs) that was funny. Uh, one of the, one of the people that, that are looking to support us is Veercast digital media. And that's our friends. I know you, when you did the Kelly Patrick show and and I did as well, we talked about Matt McCarthy and Tim Bryan and the services they provide. Uh, they've went all in on this, man. They, they got, they've got a studio They they can rent equipment. They do. Live events, they do – we're going to take our podcast hosting to VeerCast. Um, so, you know, it. you can find it there, but it will also be transmitted out to – it will still be on all the other platforms. But right. also, looking at all the other platforms, so just with who we have now, it was like a uh, – they gave you a tutorial on how to put it on these other platforms. David, there are there were like thirty. Some I've never heard of. Um, Deezer, you ever heard of Deezer? You know, Mm -hmm. or like Podcraft, like all these. I was like, who do people really (laughs) like download these apps just to
1: podcast? Yeah, there was one that um, Juan was talking about that I'd never heard of. He's like, oh, this is the this is the good one. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. I forget what he said, but I know, like even like. A random one um that is i think semi big is a uh, pod bean
0: yeah um, and those are so here's what i've learned and when i was talking with matt those are the ho- like hosts so we i use the host just to be able to get the rss feed which is like the home base of this recording then that feed goes out you send it out to all these other platforms so you can go to Buzzsprout, they have their own player and all that, and listen to the show. But it's for, you know, whatever's comfortable to you and easy, easily accessible, it's, it's available on these other, other platforms. So, uh, like, Podbean's a host, Buzzsprout, um, we use SoundCloud for Close Enough. So, I mean, the world of podcasting is just... A huge business. And so in in this in our host, they're like, Hey, do you want to push these affiliate links? You know, like you can get paid to do this. And I was so we we'll talk about that. I don't know. But I do like supporting people that we know. Yeah. And Matt Matt and Tim are awesome. They do video production, website design, podcast hosting, podcast consultations. Uh, Matt is a He's a technology. Um, he has a menagerie of just stuff. That's so one of the new. <laughs> one of the new things he got was this fancy drone, and he sent me some video of like taking, taking uh, shots over a farm, and you know I, I know that's big in like real estate and stuff now. Oh, but
1: yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, if we live close, we could go into their like use it as our studio, book time to go record the podcast there, and they would. Like, put it on a green screen. We can do a video. So, yeah, if you're in that centralish Kentucky area in Oldham County, or you need, if you're MMA promotion, a church, uh, Matt is doing his first funeral tomorrow, Like, which is odd to me that you would live stream a funeral, but that's what, the yeah. world we're in right now.
1: <laughs> I think people can't. I mean, you can't go to it. So, yeah. And that's I was crazy. joking,
0: and it's not, you know, that's probably one of the most meaningful broadcasts he's ever done, right? Yeah. Like, this, this is, like, the heartfelt, but, of course, the morbid side of me is like, oh, hey, pull up pull up the replay of old Johnny's funeral. Let's see what's going on there. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's weird. The, the world we yeah. live in right now is super weird.
1: Definitely, and... Um, I, I, you know, having worked with both Tim and Matt, you know, multiple times in the past, I think that we are both luckily enough that, you know, we are in, we're not in this necessarily for money. We're in this for, you know, we get, we get to pick and choose who we work with and what we do. And, and, you know, we choose to work with people like that. So it's not like, you know, we're doing this for, for money, as you mentioned earlier, we're doing this for, we, we enjoy doing it and, um, kind of connecting people. Um, to kind of some of our passions and, you know, outside of maybe the things that people typically know us for.
0: Yeah. I, I think if you, if you have the means, right. If you are lucky enough, still be working, you've got some disposable cash. One of the things that, that my family has focused on is doing the local scene um, and supporting those that are, that are local to you. Like, uh, John Turner, for example, he's the founder of Bellum Couture. If you saw me between 2011 and 2016, I probably had on a Bellum Couture shirt. Um, but he's a super successful DJ now. Uh, he did the prom for Abby. So he put selling t-shirts, snagged a t-shirt, you know, just things like that. You know, going to instead of going to Kroger, who I'm super pissed at, by the way, <laughs> Um, go into Carl's, um, meat market, you know, where it's maybe a little more expensive, but like that's Kroger's not sponsoring the little league baseball teams here. You know what I mean? Support these the people, people you are, know.
1: you see their faces. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so as, a I, I was so pumped. I went to see my mom this weekend. First time I'd been to her house in 10 weeks. And sure, it was a week early from the easing the restrictions and all that, but, like, it's your mom. So I go, and I've got, I mean, I go to Kroger three times a week, sometimes just to go, just to get out of the house. And you know I live right behind Kroger.
1: <laughs> right.
0: I, man, I'm pushing three 3,000 points. So I'm like, I'm getting a free tank of gas. Not the case. Totally hoodooed on that. They only let me take a dollar off.
1: Yeah, save up to a dollar.
0: Yeah, that's they should have paid me for the gas, to be honest.
1: <laughs> well, like, I don't, if we what were... What else can you
0: do with points?
1: Yeah. The, just use it for gas.
0: So it's not like Marble, Marble Miles back <laughs> no, then?
1: You can't get like a windbreaker. <laughs> I can't get a dollar or leather jacket
0: for yeah. 20,000 points?
1: Well, we were watching... Uh, so Angie, um, she... Um, was laughing at me because I love live sports. And you can probably hear my dog, Samson, in the background. So he gets a shout loves He out. loves live sports, too. Yeah, he loves live sports. But, um, <coughs> yeah, so he's trying to get his voice on the podcast. But I was watching NASCAR, the return of NASCAR this past weekend. And mm-hmm. uh, they were in Darlington Raceway in South Carolina. And literally the first lap, there's a crash. And it's the Kroger car. I'm like, oh, man, the Kroger car can't even make it one lap around the freaking track. That's crazy. <laughs> Oh,
0: have you ever been to a NASCAR event?
1: No, I've been to like actually surprisingly to um, some of like the short track stuff that they used to have in in Columbus, um, which is now actually a lacrosse uh, stadium, Um, but never been to an actual NASCAR or IndyCar or anything like that. I know people say that that's one of the things that's like you have to do before, you know, kind of bucket list things, but and I'm not too far from, uh, Kentucky speedway. I think it's like, you know, 40, 30 or 40 minutes outside of Cincinnati and and about two hours from, from Indy. I probably would go to Indy, um, do the Indy 500, um, or, or even the NASCAR brickyard race. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was actually big into it when I was, when I was younger. Um, I was always a Matt Kenseth fan, and I saw him, he came back this past weekend and actually took over, uh, oh, I don't remember the name of the, the kid that got uh, kicked out, but. Um,
0: oh, the racial slur guy?
1: Yeah, um, but he took <laughs> over his his car, so good to see Kenseth yeah. back, though, 48 years young. I think he was like 10th place in the race. He's always the guy that is, you know, he, he'll start like. You know, thirty eighth, and end up you know eighth or ninth or tenth or whatever. But then wins the points championship. Yeah, that's that's my type of guy.
0: So in two thousand three ish, around that time, we did like my group of friends did a guys' vacation, and we went to we stayed just outside of Daytona in Ormond Beach, which is literally like right next to Daytona. So we went to the at the time it was the Pepsi 400. It was the night race on the fourth of July, uh, and I'll leave you guys with this story, and you can you can just be jealous of my experience.
1: Yeah.
0: Every time I've ever driven to Florida, about Jellico, Tennessee on I seventy five, there's a wreck almost every time. Uh, this was no different. We 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 had an old camcorder, you know, the kind that you put on your shoulder almost. <laughs> um, and we had a video of us at like three o'clock in the morning on our way down there, passing football on interstate 75, like probably two hours, two or so hours. We were, we were just stopped. The race was on Saturday night. We left Friday night at midnight. So we, we should have got there 10 o'clock in the morning, gave us some time, to, you know, to get settled, nap, get up, go to the race. We pulled in to our condo like 5 p.m
1: <laughs> that here?
0: so literally we had enough time to put ice in our coolers because you could take coolers with your own beer into the into the racetrack so we bought and i don't know it, we felt like we were geniuses we bought like 24 ounce bottles or cans so we got like i don't know four a piece in our little coolers the, you know whatever appropriate size were Change our clothes, get the beer, dip. Or have our friends drop us off because some of them weren't going to the race. Um, and I was I was so pumped because I got front row tickets, which in almost every thing is like <laughs> the best, best seats. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst seat in the house for a NASCAR race.
1: Right, sure, yeah, you want to be high up.
0: So, Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, sings "America the Beautiful," and JoJo sings the national anthem. This this is to date. National anthem ends. She leave and get out. Uh, <laughs> see, that's that's a reference I don't even know. I'm sure, is that one of her songs?
1: Yeah, that's her only song.
0: Um, so she sings the national anthem, and then out of nowhere, thunderstorms. Now, my friend Matt and I sit there in the metal bleachers in the rain drinking our beer for two hours. So finally, the the race starts probably eight, nine o'clock at night. Now, these things last like three hours. I'm drunk. Um, The race starts. I'm hung over by the time the race ends. We spend approximately three hours in the parking lot waiting on our friends to come get us because imagine 100,000 people leaving the same spot at the same time. Yeah. Um so we're I'm I feel awful. Uh you know, I watch some guy uh shotgun and beers out of a funnel in front of the cops, offers the cops beer, they don't do it. <laughs> Mark Martin comes around and because of the restrictor plates, if you know about NASCAR, it keeps there's a restriction on how fast you can go. Yeah. So it's very boring until it's time to make a move. So that's in the last 20 laps, you know, people are trying to make a move. We're in turn one, one of the most famous racetracks in the country. Mark Martin goes airborne right in front of us. Like Ricky Bobby style, just flips, yeah. catches on fire.
1: I remember that race.
0: Like we're all going ape shit crazy. Because it's the only excitement we've had all day. We've got the the radios where you can hear like the drivers talk. We're watching the big screen. And it was maybe the most fun I've ever had in a, in a setting like that with just one friend and, you know, a hundred thousand people that we didn't know. Everybody was friendly. Um, somebody gave me a pretzel. I think (laughs) like, Hey man, you want a pretzel? Sure. You know, (laughs) uh, I don't even know who won the race, but it, you know, just, I just remember Mark Martin coming through, flipping right in front of us going crazy. Uh, and then just a whole lot of waiting around and sitting there and watching the crowd. But it was well, amazing.
1: And I know we all, we know Mark Martin was number six for his whole career, but was he in the Valvoline car or was he in the Viagra car?
0: He was in the Valvoline car. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Valvoline number
0: six. Yeah. We, so we go back to the racetrack the next day. Like we sleep. And we're like, Hey, we didn't really get to like buy anything. So we go back to the racetrack. Um, and while we're there, one of my friends, were at our condo, we get a call. He slipped and fell at the pool and cut his foot wide open. Like Jeez. probably looking at, back at it, probably needed. Sti- probably should have went to the doctor. Uh, <laughs> he was he was working on a case of strolls at the time. Yeah, um,
1: he's fine then.
0: Yeah, it was like eleven o'clock That's in the natural
1: morning. Natural antiseptic.
0: Yeah. So I come, they said, man, you got to stop and get some band aids. We come back. He's got paper towels wrapped around his foot with tape. A huge gap. Like you probably could have stuck your finger in it and wasn't able to go to the beach. Like we were there all week. Wasn't able to go to the beach. Limped around. 2003, Ormond Beach. Should have been there.
1: Sounds like a great time.
0: If you've made it this far into the podcast, do us a favor, go to iTunes, leave us a review, um, tell us what you think, if you're still subscribed, follow us on Spotify, whatever platform you you listen to this on. Uh, If there's a way to share it, share it, tell your friends about us if you like it. We're just two guys talking about bourbon, beer, beards, and random vacations in 2003. I thought you would enjoy that.
1: in Mark Martin, Valvoline cars or Viagra cars.
0: Yeah. I think he was supposed to retire that year. Then like, I think he still
1: races. So I think he does. Yeah. That was only 17 years ago. So he's probably his third comeback.
0: Yeah. You know, he <laughs> fills in every once in a while. <laughs> all right, David McKinney, right. A- anything from you before we, uh, before we yeah, go into production. We are
1: on all the, social medias so fo- you know follow us and find us if you haven't already so yeah what is our Instagram uh, beers yeah. beards podcast I think it's different yeah. on everywhere so
0: yeah so if you see the nice uh, picture the blue picture from David or from uh, Aaron Garrett. our in-house graphic designer Aaron Garrett
1: you'll know that's us Yeah, give him a shout-out. AG Designs Mm -hmm. is one of the best that there is. I'm not just in MMA podcasts. He's one of the best graphic designers that there is out there. We literally told him what our vision was. He came back immediately with almost exactly what we wanted in 12 different colors.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you'll see like as we post the different episodes – I don't think it does it on iTunes, but I know on Spotify and then on the Buzzsprout, you'll see all the different designs. There's a patriotic, there's
1: everything. So, yeah, there's one that's well drained. Right. That's my favorite one.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> use that one this time.
1: All right. All right. Until next right.
0: week. Until next week.